You're listening to Allied Health Podcast, talking all things Allied Health, with your hosts Danielle Whedon, physiotherapist, and Claire Jones, occupational therapist. Today's episode is brought to you by Health to You. Health to You are a Victorian-based organisation delivering home and community physio and healthcare services, treating a variety of conditions for private clients, those undergoing hospital rehab following surgery, NDIS participants, TAC and my aged care clients and other support bodies. We're joined today by Ryan Ebert, Director and Co-Founder of Health to You and Physiotherapist by Background. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. No, thank you very much for having me. Ryan, it's a really interesting time for therapy in general at present, uh, particularly when it comes to the NDIS and aged care sectors. Can we start with you giving our listeners an overview of your background and how, when and why Health to You was established? Yeah, thanks, Claire. Um, Definitely an interesting time in terms of therapy with all going on. Um, So my background is, as mentioned at the start, so physiotherapist. Um, graduated 10 years ago now, which is starting to make me feel a bit old. <laughs> yeah, don't feel old yet, Ryan. <laughs> it's, it's, try, it's tw- 20, try 20 wow. plus years. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But we're in, the, we're in the double digits now, so that that will be fun. But um, no, so I've, I've been in the healthcare space for, for a decade, which has been fantastic. I've been really lucky to do a lot of different roles. So I started as a physio probably like most um, kids who go and do physio who played a heap of sport. I was like, I'm going to be the physio for North Melbourne Football Club, <laughs> not that we're having a very good season this year, um, but was actually lucky enough to do some work with them and do sports and, and all of that stuff. And, and while I loved it, um, I, it didn't kind of hit that real fulfilment piece. I found myself early on working in aged care, working in private practice, working in occupational health, um, just kind of doing a little bit of everything and then started a occupational health business, which went which went okay. And when we started a couple of clinics in Melbourne, which was subsequently acquired. Um, and then I went and have done some roles in corporate with, with Booper in Australia um, and some other organisations and have gone to London as well to do some stuff there and doing my um, MBA now at Cambridge University over here. But the thing that I that I f- kind of fell into was this thing around aged care and disability. So I did some aged care work and then I was running one of those corporate roles was all around when NDIS was starting to come and a multidisciplinary team and everything. And while that in the corporate setting didn't work and they kind of wound that up because we just hadn't cracked the, the right way to do it because it was so early on and that over-invested in it. I saw this huge shift that was happening towards home healthcare. And then talking with uh, Luke, who's our fellow co-founder around, you know, we both had had clinic businesses and there's got to be a way to bring healthcare to people's homes. And especially in such a rewarding space, like the, the disability space, the aged care space, how we can impact people's quality of lives is, is huge. So lo and behold, um, we literally founded a company a month before I got on a plane to the other side of the world. Mm. And so we started building out our team. We started with one OT and now we've got a dozen people with two um, sort of clinic sites doing operations all through Victoria for hundreds of hundreds of people, which is just a delight to, to be able to be a part of. Mm. 
It's great. We um we speak to clinicians day in day out and have done for years. But um, the biggest question we're having people call us about, especially private practice physios, I would say, in the sort of last two years with COVID lockdowns and different um, things, they want to know uh, what physios can expect as part of their role within the NDIS. So are you able to give us, a, or our listeners, a, a bit of insight into a, what, what they can expect to be working as a physio in disability? Yeah, certainly. So, um, I mean, we're fortunate that we are multidisciplinary. So we've got OT, speech pathology, AHAs and physios. So fortunately with our physios, they get to work across all. But physio in particular in, in the NDIS is um, interesting and it's, it's it's like all spaces in the NDIS. Whether we like it or not, there's uh, paperwork and there is uh, a lot of, it's a, it's, a, it's a big scheme and there's a lot of people involved and there's a lot of liaison that happens to coordinate the care and, and rightly so because these people have a healthcare team that that physio needs to work with and that's not just other allied health professionals or other medical professionals that can be their carer that can be their their parent that can be their um, child depending on the age of that person that can be their support coordinator that can be a variety of administrative people local area coordinators and so forth so one of the things that, that we have to work with on our team is just being comfortable knowing that there will be i guess that care coordination side and that paperwork side alongside just the physio. Mm. Um, and, and whilst that adds some complexity to it, and inevitably, usually we're dealing with highly complex people, both from a, a physical and, and diagnostic side of things, but equally, you know, especially the last two years, it's been really challenging for a lot of these people, like isolation, mental health, much as all of us have been going through. So in the space, the other thing that physios can do, uh, physios find themselves doing and, and that we talk about with a lot of our team is how do we use movement and exercise and whether that is literally 10 sit-to-stand exercises or walking somebody to go and get a coffee, which we all kind of take for granted, but in this space can be the highlight of somebody's week, which is where it can be so rewarding. How do we, how do, we do that? that also then just helps that person feel like they're going to get a smile for the day, they're going to get cared for, that we're probably having some impact on that psychosocial element because they're just getting up and moving. And we know that movement's so coordinated with that. So physios working in the space is very different from the private practice of I've got my 30-minute appointments back-to-back, I'm coordinating you, I know my patient, I'm working on their neck pain, back pain, Etc. towards whatever that needs to be, there's longer time that they're spending with the client. Sometimes they have to be very adaptable where you'll go in with a plan and the client's just had a really bad day or their spasticity is playing up in a certain way that you've got to completely adapt your entire treatment plan. And then there is that added additional piece of how am I coordinating care into this whole person's support team? And that's where I think it, it it does differ from that private practice space. But equally, um, we find that it can be really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to goal-focused um, therapy, doesn't it, Ryan? And you can be so much more creative um, in someone's home environment and out in the community 
in terms of focusing in on what they really want to do and making the most of that motivation in terms of incorporating, say, you know, physio side of things that, you know, physical activity um, into activities that actually are meaningful to them and, and, and that they want to do. Hugely. I mean, so much of this is around not going clinically. How do I get, you know, an extra 10 degrees in a hamstring range? Or, yeah, how how do I do this? How do I do this? It's like the person wants to do whatever they want to do. There's many, as they say, there's many ways to roam uh, or many paths that lead to roam. And the, the good thing about this is you can get really creative. Like I've seen physios that are posting um in our sort of winds channel that we have on slack which is fantastic because being in a community space it's great but also sometimes you can feel a little bit disconnected from your people and that kind of thing but showing awesome things which is people getting out and about on a day hanging up the washing was like mm. a bit a win for, for somebody um lots of making food so uh, you know there's a lot of stuff and if you think about it there's a lot of rehab that you put into cooking especially um through um rehab hand rehab upper limb rehab that you know that person's goal is i would like to make pancakes in the morning okay cool let's work out how we're going to do that mm. um so you're right it is all around and, and sometimes as, as physios, we've got to turn around and go, oh, I'd love to, you know, clinically get that extra 10 degrees range motion or I'd love to see this move that way or, you know, achieve this timed up and go, whatever test we're kind of looking at. But it's it's marrying that into what does that person want to do and get out of this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And how's um, health to you looking at the NDIS and aged care space um, to really improve clients' daily living and get the most out of their treatment? it's It's been an interesting couple of years because obviously the space has got um, a fair bit of attention. The space has been quite a challenge with COVID and I think everybody working in the healthcare space has been really juggling that. But one of the things that, that we kind of set out to do was always to bring health and care to where people most need it. We thought, right, we'd be, we'd be mobile only, um, obviously getting into the community as much as we can, all of that kind of stuff. But what we've started to find is, as you said, there's in people's homes, but then there's also getting people out of their home and into the community doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And then we have actually started to see some real value and need in having people come to a, a space so so what we're really looking at at the moment of how can we innovate and improve on the space is how do we create almost like a health to you home where we can invite our clients to come to our home and do some therapy with them in sort of a simulated mm. kind of setting be that a kitchen a laundry net a living room or something like that almost in a clinic and show them because a lot of stuff can can help this like assistive technology and all this equipment and that kind of thing but so many times we'll go out and we think it will help whereas if we can invite them into our home and go let's just try it here okay that works cool let's take this piece and take it to your home give Mm -hmm. it a go let's try that there and sort of really getting this this cross pollination or cross collateral sort of situation where 
we can utilize the best of having an on-site premise as well as continually going out to um to our clients so that's probably the thing that we've been a bit surprised with kind of setting out going this we don't want the brick and mortar clinic we don't want that sort of stuff in this space we want to create lots of autonomy we want to create lots of flexibility for all of our people um equally the therapists are going you know i'm loving having two days we've, we've recently got a um site up in epping and they're like, I'm loving coming in for two days and I've got that, not two days on the road, but people come to me and oh, or I can get through a lot of that paperwork or I'm in an office rather than running between, you know, um, appointments, doing phone calls in the car mm. um, with care coordinators and so forth. And then I, I'm, I'm geopocketing my clients nearby this space so i can kind of have lunch with the team there and then i can go and see sally or i can go and see sarah or i can go and see glenn in the afternoon and so we're, we're really trying to look at how do we make it great for the clients but also the therapist which is a massive challenge at the moment mm. we're we're really seeing um therapists enjoy the benefits of having some you know clinic um, base time and community time because it can be intense working out in the community quite autonomously. And I think for your junior therapists in particular, it's nice to have the opportunity just to learn by osmosis by being surrounded by other therapists and just listening to what's happening over lunch just to, you know, clients that people have just seen or going to see and problem-solving ideas. It's not a yeah, and we're interestingly seeing a number of people, um, and, and I think this is a, a great idea because five days a week, which is where I sort of got out of the clinic game of just treating knees, backs mm. and necks, you know, Monday to Friday yeah. can, can equally be exhausting. Um, we're starting to see, uh, and we have a number of team members who just do part-time with us, and then they do part-time in like a proper um, sports clinic or something. And, and they're saying that the variety is fantastic. And I do think like, you know, for from a profession standpoint, um, equally myself, like if I didn't have variety in all the roles that I did, I probably would have moved on from physio. And we know that the physio career span is something that the APA is working hard on yeah. increasing. Mm. And I think having that variety of a little bit of community, but not five days, a little bit of practice but not five days can start to get a a really nice sweet spot Mm. and there's so many transferable skills between the two it really does enhance both roles and the knowledge that you take from one to the other and vice versa it's um it's all beneficial isn't it hugely and i mean we um rightly or wrongly the thing that we or i talk about with our therapists is like Primarily in the community space, the number one goal is to make that person feel cared for, to get them moving, and to get them smiling. Mm. Now, I know as physios, I were like, but you know, clinically, I want to do this, 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 and what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and and all of that stuff's super important. But as we try and remind our, our therapists, especially more junior ones, if you keep that at the forefront of how do you bring a smile to this person's day, create movement and make them that bit healthier, mm. you, you'll you be winning in the community game. So yeah. It's as yeah. difficult and simple as that. And also um, probably bringing on to our next question, the 
role of a physio in community disability is so broad in terms of the types of clients they'll be seeing that taking that approach to it is um, is a really smart way to approach it because there will be some really complex clients or there may not be as complex clients, but across disability, it's pretty broad. So um, you sort of touched on it a little bit in what they can expect as their role, but what would a day in the life of a physio look like? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, and, you know, as an organisation, we're on that transition journey towards kind of getting more, how do we get them, like let's say it's five five days across a week, two days on a site with some gym gear and equipment and stuff that they can really work with and then a couple of days in in, in the community. But really um, we have like a lot of flexibility with, within our team. We try and we know this space um, can be really challenging in terms of the structure that's set up and, and we really try and go, look, if you want to start at 10 and go through until 5.30, you can. If you're going to work with a couple of, like you said, there's so much variety that you could be working with some kids before school mm-hmm. and then in an aged care home at 11 to see somebody having a long lunch in a cafe, doing reports, paperwork, so forth, and then seeing a couple of clients in the afternoon. Um, so there is probably the, the big thing is so much variety in, in, in what a normal day looks like. Um, lots of flexibility in terms of how we do it, but also kind of as an organisation setting us up to be like there's a lot of case management and there is some, um, you know, by the letter of the system, you could for every email be billing five minutes blocks here, five-minute phone call there and that kind of thing. And we really have tried to move away from that and go anything that's five minutes you don't even touch because we want to look after care and we just think it's part of the role. Um, anything that gets a, a little bit more to like sort of 15, 30, we get, it, we get involved with. But really setting autonomous KPIs that go, you know, you see your four clients a day, five clients in the way that works for you anywhere, any any um, time and any place. Mm-hmm. And you kind of create that. We sort of just lean into that variety that um this client pool gives us as you said um but what we are seeing is that yeah there is that desire for a little bit of routine which is where we're working on great now we've got some clinic sites how do we just give you okay i'm rocking up at nine i'm gonna stay in my one thing today i don't have to drive around um and i'll do all of that tomorrow It really offers um, flexibility to um, for people who are balancing family commitments and work as well, doesn't it? Um, Because it is all the beauty of community. I think you can get a real nice flexibility there. And the thing is, when you're working with people in their home environment and out in their community, life starts at you know six, seven, eight in the morning. So there's always an opportunity to be delivering, as long as it suits them, there's always an opportunity to be delivering delivering therapy right across the day from early morning to late late at night. Yeah, and we've we've got um, great stories of like, you know, the Victorian night markets during winter. Clients' goal was really to be able to be able to catch public transport and get to that. So we had therapists that were taking them out at night enjoying the 
the the big markets. Big market, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday night, and then turning around, sending a <laughs> sending a photo of um, them having their brunch at ten a.m. Going, I'll I'll be on from eleven because <laughs> <laughs> because they've they've done that night. So yeah. um, you know, taking taking their partner out to brunch the next day. So I think that yeah, that flexibility is just really cool. But equally, like you do get to do some pretty cool stuff, like. Yeah see somebody's face light up going i went to the victorian night markets and then sure enough a week later it was that trial of okay we've done it a few times now go and do it yourself um and you get that you get that photo and that message from that client just going my week's great (laughs) winning goal (laughs) achieved yeah right so what do clinicians at health to you love about working at health to you ryan what are the big positives that you hear good question i think i've alluded to a little bit we do have um a big promotion of any win uh big or small we want to hear about it so be it be it um the clinicians getting that win or somebody else in 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 the team i think um the flexibility is something but we have heard from our team that whilst the flexibility is great um a little bit of that routine, juggling paperwork between everything, you know, email, Slack messages, phone calls, all that kind of thing. The other big thing that we've kind of really pushed probably in the last six months that I think we're starting to get right now as well is obviously um, in the current macroeconomic environment, prices going up, troubles going up, all that kind of thing. So we've really worked on how do we give you know, say you Claire, your Monday and Wednesdays, you're just in the western suburbs. And then your Tuesday, Thursdays, you've just got that northern suburb. And then as we're building more and more of those bases as well, how do we kind of connect you with them and mm-hmm. sort of really work on getting clients so we're minimising that travel point. And, again, it just helps with that flexibility. And then the other thing, we've got um, what we call a health to you care of the month. So we send out a survey and it's a really short one. Just if you see any team member displaying any one of our four values and why, and it could just be, I was having a really rough day and Claire brought me a coffee and just made my day much better. And then the afternoon was so much better with that client. Great. And um, and each month we, so we actually started this in lockdown and we started by the winner would receive a hamper because we're all staying at home receive a hamper of local Victorian goods. So we also wanted to like, you know, support those guys because mm-hmm. they, were, they were doing it pretty tough as well. Yeah, it was so important, um, wasn't it? Yeah, that still that is. Was, <laughs> it, and it still is, exactly. Whereas we, we've since evolved that and the monthly winner will either get an amazing hamper bag, they'll get a bit of self-care for themselves they can choose, which is a, a massage or a float or something like that. Or the third option that we've now introduced is, which everybody seems to be taking this option, um, is that they can donate that onto their client. So they can turn around and say, I know Danielle's been having a, a rough month. I've been seeing her. She's been making some phenomenal progress. Let's send the hamper to her with personalised. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> such and, a great um, idea. Yeah, they, they love that part, like mm-hmm. seeing that in our, in our wins channel is just amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what about any other benefits of working for health to you? Professional development um, allowances or supervision? What sort of benef- other benefits are there? 
Yeah, it's a good question. And I think like most businesses at the moment, you know, it's a it's a challenge. Um, so how do we meet the need for the workforce that we know at a macroeconomic level has a supply and demand problem? Um, so in terms of professional development, so we have a professional development pot as a team. And that is a pot of justification as opposed to a pot of a limit. And what that means is if there's a course that you go, this would really help me regardless of the cost, and we can see that, yep, it would add value to you, it would add value to the business, we'll pay for it. Um, So there's no limit in terms of we really try and get our team to be very active in their professional development. And all they have to do is turn around and say, can I do this? These are the reasons why. And on some of those big ones, we then play back as an internal PD. So we get a double benefit for, for the wider of the team. So from a professional development allowance point of view, what we find is on average, we're spending more than what would be if we just said, here's a thousand a year, because it really gives, gives someone some onus. The other big thing that we're pretty big on as a business is so Obviously, we get um, we give our people an allowance to accommodate, you know, travel, phone use, that kind of stuff, uh, on top of wage, which we've calculated the award rates, and automatically at the base we apply a loading to that because we always want to be paying above awards. Allowances come on top of that, and so forth. But the one thing, um, the one other thing that we do is, so we have a mental health day uh, every year. So we basically kind of double dip a little bit with the Victorian um, uh, Melbourne Cup where the Monday we just, as a team, we just turn around and go, we're just having it off. So we every, we give everybody a four-day weekend, that's it, irrespective of their leave. And we carbon offset all of our team's travel as well as we sort of estimate, obviously it's all estimates, but as well as their personal travel. So as a, as a business, in effect, we go carbon negative for our business activity, um, but kind of accounting for, you know, say your personal travel outside of all your work travel, we will go carbon neutral and basically offset. And last year, I think we planted the equivalent of um, 50 tonnes worth of carbon of trees. And it's a sort of a big thing that you know, we are in the community space. We know that travel is a piece and we know that, you know, we can be doing better with it in in that like our sites are powered by renewable energy and, um, but it, you, you know, I'd love to have a fleet of Teslas just rolling around. But that's, that, yeah. that, that, that's where we're going. And that's, that's where, where you're we'll going. Get to yeah. eventually. But, but for now, I think it's a nice little perk in that, yeah, we, as a business, we are carbon uh, neutral. Fantastic, Ryan. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Um, it's been great to chat about Health to You and all the creative things you're doing out there, especially in the NDIS space. Um, it really is an ever-changing market at the moment for um, allied health professionals, so it's always um, great to hear what's happening out there. No, thank you very much for your time. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Allied Health Podcast. In the show's notes, you'll find links to our free recruitment resources, job opportunities and healthcare marketplace insights. To listen to new episodes, please subscribe via Apple, Google or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating and review and be sure to tell your therapy colleagues and friends to tune in. Tune in.